play that guitar. Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, this is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you, my friend, can get out there and get some stuff done for the king, King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, there's no better person to work for. So turn your life over to him today. Maybe you know him, but you've been dragging, you know, you've kind of been dragging behind a little bit. Listen, pick up the pace, friends. Let's get back in place and let's get out there and let's see what he has in store. Amazing things are happening right now. You can look around the globe. We're seeing prophetic events unfold. Uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the there's there's this excitement, but then some tension as well as we're watching events unfold. Fascinating things are happening in the nations. and uh, But you know what? That doesn't diminish what he has you doing right where you're at, or at least what he wants to do with you right where you're at. Listen, you've got neighbors, you've got friends, you've got coworkers, you you got people that you interact with all the time that need Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't delay, friends. Accept Jesus today if you don't know him. And then if you do know him, come on, get out there and get right on the front lines with him. Hallelujah. Well, let's jump right into this today. And I want to talk about, let me get my notes up here. I want to talk about some of the tension between the spirit and the flesh. And uh, we want to dive into that a little bit today. And let's see right here. Okay, so let's turn to Galatians. We'll start there, the book of Galatians. If you've got your Bible or tablet or however you access the scriptures. And um, here in chapter 5, of course, he, you know, chapter chapter 5, there's so much chapter 5. But there's an interesting um, truth here. He says this in verse 16. This is Galatians 5, 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, in my experience, I have discovered that um, a lot of people think that what's being referred here is this tension or this, um, let's see, what's the right words here? Um, this battle, if you will, between the flesh, which would be, uh, obviously it'd be referring to your flesh here, uh, and Holy Spirit because of the capital S there. Well, uh, I'm going to suggest to you that that's not actually a capital S. It's actually a lowercase s because it's not referring to Holy Spirit. It's actually referring to your spirit, your spirit. That's right. You are a spirit. And when you were born again, your spirit was recreated and was, in effect, raised from the dead, raised out of spiritual death. The Bible says, Colossians, I mean, several places, that we were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, which was the kingdom of death, spiritual death, alienation from God. And we've been brought over into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We're children of light now, so we're no longer in darkness, but we're, we're, we're of the light. And that's because you're born again. So you're no longer of death. You are of life. You know, back in Genesis, if you're familiar with the Genesis account, uh, the Hebrew word, Barashit, and it's the book of beginnings. Uh, in the beginning, God said, if you eat of the fruit, which I tell you not to eat, in that day you shall surely die. And a lot of people, I guess maybe they get a little confused because, well, Adam and Eve ate. If you know the story, everybody knows the story, whether you believe it or make fun of it. You, you still know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and the serpent. Uh, you know, and most people think it was an apple. What, whatever kind of fruit it was, it doesn't matter. But, you know, here they were, they ate this fruit. And a lot of people are maybe confused because, well, didn't he say that in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die? Well, Adam actually lived to 900 and something years old. But here's, here's the thing. The Bible says that with God a day 
uh, is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Adam actually physically died before the first day in the eyes of the Lord and the timing of the Lord. Uh, he actually died just shy of a thousand years. So he actually did die in the day that he ate it. There's a seven-day biblical layout, 7,000 years. He died before the end of the first day. Uh, but that's actually secondary. I, I, I mean, you know, when you really think about that, you go, oh, okay, well, that's kind of neat. You know, I mean, Peter talks about, you know, when uh, when referring to the coming of the Lord, uh, the, the parousia, uh, you know, anticipating our rapture, our har- harpazo, okay? Peter says, listen, don't get discouraged because remember, he kind of gave a little secret, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day with the Lord because, you know, people were like, hey, it's been 10 years. Where's the Lord at? And he said, hey, don't be discouraged. Remember the Lord told us how his timing works. Anyways, again, that's all secondary. The primary thing here is Adam, as soon as he sinned, he did die. Now, again, his physical body, he lived, you know, 900-something years old, but he did die. The moment he ate, he died spiritually, and they realized they were naked. Why? Because that they were alienated from God. Number one, the glory departed, and number two, that life in which they were living in and enjoying was no longer there. They died spiritually, instantly, the moment they sinned against the Lord. So when we're born again, there is a recreation of our spirit, and now we're alive unto God. The Bible says that we're born from above. We're born from above. Mount Zion is our heavenly home. Then it says in Peter that we're born of the word. Then another place it says we're born of the spirit. Yet in another place, it says, if we've been joined to the Lord, we are one spirit with him. These are all um, indicators that, hey, when we were born again, we've got the life of God in us now. Romans says that he's our father. Why? Because we're born of his DNA. We have his DNA. Spiritual DNA is what recreated our spirit. We're one with him. We're uh, alive unto him again. And I love Romans uh, because it gives this fascinating uh, uh, truth. And if you'll think about it, um, I had to really think about it because, I mean, it happened so long ago. But the Bible says that when you're born again, your spirit cries out, Abba, Father, and then Holy Spirit, who is dwelling on the inside of you, testifies or joins together with your spirit and says, He is Father. Now, that's amazing because you were reconciled to your father. You knew him before. You knew him before. Uh, before you were in your mother's womb, the Bible says that he knew us. He, uh, he destined us. He called us before we were even in our mother's womb. So we came from the father. But then when sin, when sin when we were tempted and we sinned, then we died a spiritual death and we were in desperate need of reconciliation. So that's the born again experience there. So we're reconciled. And so, yeah, we would cry out, Father. We'd say, that's our dad. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he has adopted us as sons, never again uh, able to renounce us. And uh, so that's, that's powerful. So you're spirit. Uh, You are not a body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Okay. This is the mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. All right. So Galatians here is, there's some understood uh, background. And so uh, the translators though, when they were translating this, now I'm not saying that you know, it's a major error. What I'm saying is it kind of pulled away from really what's being said here by capitalizing that S. It's obvious that Holy Spirit would be contrary to anything fleshy, carnal, natural. Uh, That's an obvious one. The less obvious one would be the tension between your born-again spirit and the nature of the flesh that is not, quote, born again, as you and I would understand that. All right, now, so he says, your spirit, 
because you are a spirit. If you're born again, your spirit now has a life on the inside of it. It is desirous to take its place of dominance like it's supposed to. Um, and so there is this tension because on the inside of you, you know God. On the inside of you, which is the real you, you are alive unto him. You're born of the word. Remember, he said, I'll write my word on the tablets of their heart or what? The tablets of their spirit. And you know God there on the inside. And that's that kind of uncomfortable feeling. It's that the voice of your conscience. It's that inner unction saying, don't do that. Now, if you don't develop that, it can kind of get weak. And so sometimes you do things, you don't even think about it until you stop and think about it later. And you're like, oh, man. I knew not to do that. Well, yeah, because from the inside, where the law of God is written, on the inside, where you're fellowshipping with Heavenly Father by way of Holy Ghost, who was given to you to dwell in there as a gift, Jesus said in John, is saying, hey, look, don't do that. He's your guy. He's your helper. He's saying, look, that's sin, okay? That's contrary. Don't do that. But you know what? If, if you haven't developed your spirit, if you haven't developed obeying your spirit, mm, some of those promptings aren't very strong. And uh, so you end up doing something according to the flesh, and then you look back later and go, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. Well, oh, all right, so let's keep going here. So he says, for the flesh, your flesh, lust. Now, I'm, I'm using, I was going to look, look this up. I'm using the, what is this? This is the New King James, great Bible. It's, it's you know, I use the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. That's my main Bible. If you see me out and about and I have a Bible in my hand, it'll be that one. It is the New Spirit-Filled Life uh, Bible, the New King James Version. I like the New King James. It's easy to read. Um, and I'm not diminishing the King James translations, but I'm saying any translation, uh, you may have to look at more of a bigger picture. You know, I mean, there's phenomenal truths, but translators have been involved. Now, some Bibles have a particular doctrinal translational slant to them, and I'm not going to go into all that because I don't want to sound like I'm being negative. What I'm saying is sometimes the translators have an end game in mind when they translated it. And so uh, because of that, we just have to approach the Scriptures uh, with that perspective and say, hey, let's just get down to, you know, some some study tools, maybe the original language, and let's see what you know, was actually being said there before translators added some nuances to it. And uh, the, the King James is great. There's other great translations, but you just have to know that. And so in particularly right here, where the translators for King James capitalized this word spirit as a capital spirit, well, it kind of drew attention away from really what's being expressed here is that when you were born again, your spirit is alive unto God. It wants to do what is right because it knows God. It's joined to him there. Now, you may not be really developed in all of the knowledge of him, but in the spirit, you know him, and you want to do what is right. Well, the flesh is not born again. Paul said you have to uh, uh, discipline that body, and in another place he said you've got to crucify the flesh, the desires of the flesh. You don't want to physically hurt your body in this sense. You know, there are different groups out here that, um, uh, I mean, they're, they're fringe, but still there's several of them, um, where they do physical harm to their bodies as some sort of religious, you know, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's sicko psycho stuff, but you know, they cut themselves or whip themselves or, you know, bind themselves in chains, you know, I mean, it's some, you know, act of, I don't, I don't know what they're doing, but they've, they've definitely gone to an extreme. But Paul did say, he said, I buffet my body and I subjected the hardship, meaning he's going to limit, uh, he's going to intentionally diminish the desires that are naturally occurring in the flesh. There's a reason for this because your flesh is not alive unto God. It is only alive unto the natural fallen reality. And its redemption is connected with the 
your born-again spirit. But here's what the Bible says is going to happen to your flesh. You need a body to finish your race on the earth. You, there, there, you, you, you're not going to come out of this body and move around here and accomplish what God has you to do here on the earth. You need a physical body, but that physical body has to be subdued. It has to be dominated, meaning your spirit man has to rise up and say, hey, look, you are going to get in line here. And the proper order would be spirit, soul, because the soul is what gives command out of the natural mind. The soul is what gives the command to your physical body to obey the unction of, of the spirit. That's the order. Spirit, soul, body. In that order, that's the order of importance. But if you don't get your spirit developed and then uh, renew your mind to agree with the desire that's coming up out of your born-again spirit, your mind by default is going to agree with the flesh. And the flesh is going to say, I want to do this. And if your mind is used to agreeing with that, that's what you're going to do. So we're jumping in here, and this is what he's saying. Your spirit, that's not Holy Spirit. That's not Holy Spirit. Uh, let's see here. I said I was going to look that up and see what other translations are, are saying. Galatians 5.16. Let's see here. Let's just look at a couple. What's What do they say? Uh, looks like most of them capitalize it. Um, it. Well, even the New Living Translation says, let Holy Spirit guide your lives. Hey, that's a that's a great rendering, but I'm I'm submitting to to you that your your it's obvious that your flesh would disagree with Holy Spirit. But see, you are a three part being, and I'm going to show you this in another place in Romans, and I think it'll help bring it all into uh, clarity what's being said here. But it's obvious that Holy Spirit's going to be in a different place. What's being said here is that when you were born again, something changed on the inside of you. And that part has to take its place as the leader or the dominant influence in your life, not the lust of the flesh. So he's saying here, walk according to the Spirit or your spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit is in your spirit. But but the Bible says that your spirit, the human spirit, the spirit of man, is the candle or the lamp of the Lord. So when the Lord wants to minister to you or speak to you, he's going to illuminate your spirit. Holy Spirit isn't doing everything for you. He is a helper. He is a guide. I, th I think I said this um, maybe last Sunday because I ministered uh, on a version of this here. But Holy Spirit is not the bride of Christ. You are. <laughs> but you have been given a helper to develop you so that when ultimately we're joined together with Christ, that we are that helper like uh, Eve was to Adam, that we are that helper that is comparable and compatible to a head. We are the body of Christ being developed to be that helper, that compatible, comparable helper to our headship, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the metaphor here of the bride is we are becoming that bride that uh, he's lovesick after, but can be united to him and rule and reign together with him. Holy Spirit is helping to develop us as spiritual people so that we can be united together with, with, with Christ in the ultimate consummation of, uh, of, of that. So he's saying, your flesh lusts against your spirit and your spirit lusts against King James wording fights against. Um, we could say that uh, it, it, it doesn't agree with. The flesh doesn't agree with the spirit because the flesh is not alive unto God. It's not alive unto spiritual things. And so he says, and these are contrary to one another so that you, you are not a body, you are a spirit. Again, so referring to the spirit here, that shouldn't be a, a capital S, that should be a lowercase s. He says, these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you, he's not talking about the body, he's talking about the spirit, so that you do not do the things that you desire. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about your flesh, if you let it do what it wants to do, 
if you agree with the dictates of the flesh, then you're going to be contrary to what you know is right by way of your born-again spirit. Let me see here. Let's see. The Amplified Classic Bible says, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are opposed to the flesh. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. What's he talking about? Your flesh and your spirit. This is why Paul said, I uh, discipline my body by subjecting it to hardships. Okay, um, what is a hardship? Well, if you go into the Old, Old Testament, there's a phrase. Uh, I think it's the New King James, maybe. But it's talking about fasting. And he called fasting an affliction. Okay, how do you discipline your physical body or subdue it or subject it to hardships in order to bring it into subjection? Well, fasting is, a, is an excellent concept. Fasting is not necessarily for your spirit. Fasting is for the flesh because you come away for a time. You say, listen, here's the desires of the flesh. I'm not saying all are necessarily bad, like like because a lot of fasting includes going without food. But you are you are subjecting your physical body to a hardship in order to spend more time uh, with the Lord. You are putting the natural part of you, the flesh part of you, you're, you're, you're saying, I'm putting you on hold so that I can go pray, read, study, fellowship, commune, abide, and dwell in the Spirit, by the Spirit, with the Spirit, with the Lord. And you're saying physical body, flesh. I know you want to watch TV, but I'm going to subject you. I'm going to afflict you by intentionally restraining you three days, nine days, 12 days, 21 days, whatever. And your body is going to go, see, your body will demand full attention all the time. It demands personal attention, pampering, being catered to, uh, being looked after all the time. Now, this physical body has to stay healthy, so that's appropriate. You need to feed it, clean it. You need to keep it in order. You need to make sure that you're presentable. Yeah. But there are desires, though, that if you say, hey, flesh, what do you want to do? The Bible saying if you just if, if, if you just turn everything over and say, flesh, what do you want? The flesh is going to be absolutely contrary to spiritual things. It's obvious that we are not Holy Spirit. That's not what that's talking about here. That's talking about your spirit. And if you listen to the flesh, you, see, notice it says you in there twice. You won't do what you want to do. What you know to do is right. Now look over here. Um, at verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. How are they evident? You let the flesh do whatever it wants and it will be evident. Anybody is capable of these things here. Now, what would make it difficult is if your body has been subdued and trained and disciplined. Remember, Paul said, I discipline my body. I subject it to hardship. So there are people that have developed their spiritual, uh, they, they have renewed their mind. Let me say it like that. They have renewed their mind to the point to where their mind doesn't, doesn't even really consider the counsel of the flesh. Their mind uh, has proven the spiritual reality so that they agree with the spirit all the time. Now, you are a three-part being. I know I'm kind of parsing this, this out here where it sounds like there's three different people here. No, uh, this is kind of the um, mystery, I guess, that surrounds how the three parts of our being work together. But, but because of the spiritual condition associated with your flesh called mortality. Now, this is only for a time. The Bible says, the Bible is very clear, that we're going to exchange this body of flesh for a body likened unto his. With our new body, 
you're not going to have mortality associated with it. So it's not going to desire natural things. Uh, it's going to be a brand new body uh, that will desire spiritual things. And so at that point, you are going to uh, be so united uh, as like there will be no conflict in the spirit, soul, and body party. They will all work together seamlessly. But right now, because there is mortality associated with your flesh, the flesh only knows or understands natural things, and it craves these things. And so right here are the works of the flesh. These are evident if you let the flesh do whatever it wants. Okay? Number one, adultery. (laughs) I mean, it's absolutely crazy. You hear these stories all the time. Most of the time you hear of it, you know, like when a minister does this. But, you know, I, 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 I was talking to this uh, guy the other day, and I don't know what the statistics are, but adultery is rampant in the church. Like, it, it, to, to abstain from adultery, which technically is if you're married, you know, one man, one woman, You've come together in covenant, and you break that covenant by having a relationship with somebody that is not your spouse. That is the classical definition of adultery. Apparently, those definitions are being adjusted. This is wokeism. They're changing. Why, why would you change definitions? It's so you can get away with a sin, right? I, I, I mean, you, you alter its definition so it doesn't look as bad. But, I, but I'm saying just throughout the church, in fact, this guy was saying that there are people creating Facebook accounts changing their name so that they can have adulterous affairs with people. I'm like, and these are church folk. Now, I don't know how widespread it is, but generally speaking, these are the works of the flesh and everybody has flesh. And if you let the flesh do what it wants to do, it will want to commit adultery. That's, that's why you have to discipline it, dominate it and subject it to hardships in order to get it to obey the promptings of the spirit. So some people don't like that. Now, we're not talking about cutting yourself, beating, be, you know, taking a stick or a bat and beating yourself. No, 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 that's stupid. You're going to hurt yourself doing, doing that. What we're saying is you have to put in barriers or hindrances to the lusts of the flesh. You have to subject the desires of the flesh to a very strict code or uh, you, you have to afflict the desires of the, of the flesh. You have to put that under. So fasting is a good way of doing that. Accountability in various areas. You know, when the flesh wants to rise up and do something, then it runs into a hardship. It runs into a standard, a disciplinary standard that says, no, 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 you, you, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do, do that. What else? Fornication. Forn- fornication. So it's, it's sexual activity outside of marriage or before marriage marriage. Um, so adultery would be typically, uh, either emotional or physical, uh, relational involvement that, which would include sexual, although it doesn't necessarily include sexual. There are people having emotional affairs with people that are not their spouse, no sex involved. Maybe it's still an affair. Okay. That's a definition that's being changed right now, but fornication would be sexual activity, uh, outside of the, the covenant confines of marriage. That's, that's a work of the flesh, that your flesh desires that physical pleasure. There are various ways that the flesh seeks a, after a pleasurous experience. Sex is included in that, not, not the whole. Some people uh, have such a euphoric experience by overeating. Some through sexual act, activity, uh, or they're just, they, they are indulging in things and they have no balance in their life. I, I mean, this from, from, let's say, drug abuse, uh, tobacco abuse, alcohol, you know, these are elements that have some sort of, um, you know, chemical reaction in the physical bodies. You, you know, there's adrenaline junkies, um, you know, and a lot of people uh, haven't really touched that one. Um, you know, all these subjects are delicate on the flesh, right? Everybody gets up, all up in arms when you start talking about disciplines or afflictions to the flesh. People start taking it personal. Oh, no, 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 you can't talk about that. I like that. Well, 
it is a, an appropriate conversation because if you let the flesh run away with you, you're not going to do what you want to do, what you need to do, what God's calling you to do, because the flesh could very well be contrary to what God has for you. So this is a legitimate conversation. It's a delicate one because no one wants to talk about it. But even adrenaline junkies, you know, my spiritual father said, look, you, you have to realize that you, you have a calling from God. You can't tempt God by going out here and doing something stupid because of an adrenaline rush. You know, that could, you know, cover lots of things from, you know, maybe you, maybe you shouldn't base jump off the Empire State Building, you know. Uh, you know, there are things that you need to inquire about the Lord, you know, inquire of the Lord about because some of these things could be desires of the flesh that could put you in a position contrary to spiritual things. All right, what else? Uncleanness, lewdness. Let me get over here in a, like a modern uh, translation here. What do we got? We got Galatians chapter 5. Let's see here. What does the New Living say? Let's get down here, verse what, 19? Uh, let's see. When you follow the desires of the flesh, the results are very clear. Number one, sexual immorality. It's just a desire of the flesh. That has to be put under. Uh, that has to be subdued. You cannot listen, um, again, because the flesh is not alive unto God like your spirit is. The flesh only knows the natural realm. Remember James 3, he says that there is a wisdom that is earthly, he said that wisdom is what? It's sensual. What is sensual? It can include sexual, but sensual is flesh. The flesh is sensual, and it, it, will, it will desire whatever, as perverted as it is, the flesh will desire whatever makes it feel good, whatever gives it a sense of pleasure or whatever, whether it's foods, uh, physical contact. Uh, you know, I, I mean... Can you see, are you alive today? I mean, are you seeing the cravings of the flesh, how twisted, perverted it has begun or become if you allow the flesh to decide on its own? See, the flesh has been cut off from the life of God. The only uh, hope that it has right now is your spirit uh, bringing a law and order to the dictates of the flesh. Now, we're subjected to that, only temporary, though. And I think part of it has to do with that God is wanting to reveal to us this overcoming uh, reality, the spirit of might that comes out of the spirit realm that has dominion over the natural realm. You and I are intimately aware of how the spirit wants to and has the ability to dominate over the natural reality. It's, you and I are intimately aware of that because we have that embedded in us in the mortality element associated with the flesh. Mortality is a spiritual condition. It means unto death, cut off. Your flesh, if you let it live for a day, you, you're probably, you might be shocked at what your flesh wants to do if it's not put down. If your spirit man doesn't say, no, be quiet. You'd be surprised at the conversation your flesh has. I mean, I think you know because you have it just like I do. Hallelujah. What else? So he says impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Are you kidding me? Let's see. The one translation says um, witchcraft, I think. Uh, New King James says sorcery. New Living Translation says sorcery. What does the expanded Bible say? Let's see. Um, here's the desires of the, of the flesh, um, being unfaithful sexually. So that's adultery, uh, not being pure impurity, taking part in sexual sins, depravity, promiscuity, worshiping gods, doing witchcraft right here. Yeah. So that several translations say witchcraft or sorcery is a work of the flesh. Derek Prince said this. He said, the religion of fallen man is witchcraft. Witchcraft is the religion of fallen man. Well, what is witch, uh, witchcraft? Witchcraft, boiled down, is the ability, outside of Holy Spirit, the ability or the attempted ability to control or manipulate. And that's a desire of the flesh. Listen, you and I are still struggling in overcoming that, huh? Something doesn't work out. 
I'm telling you, the flesh says, well, we're going to make them. If somebody doesn't do something that you want them to, what does the flesh do? I'm going to make them do what I want them to. Well, that's, that is control, friends. You know, we see this a lot of time in uh, marriages because, uh, or, or, or relationships that have become too familiar, right? And we, we don't honor now the defined, the God-defined order or the God-defined, you know, uh, 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 part, position, whose head, whose body. By the way, you don't arbitrarily decide that. God decides whose head, whose body. We yield to his definitions. But if those, if, if, if that God-defined relationship, if we become too familiar with that, then we uh, don't yield to it. We don't submit to it. And if they do something that we don't like, then we seek to maybe try and manipulate or control the outcome. Well, that's witchcraft, friends. And this happens, it happens in marriages all the time. Somebody doesn't like what somebody else is doing. And so they seek ways to manipulate the outcome to look according to the way they think it should be. Listen, husbands and wives, employers, employees, pastors, and lay people, wherever these predefined head body roles are, it is very possible. It's happened before. It may happen again that some people uh, fall back to witchcraft in order to manipulate the outcome. <laughs> it's right here in the Bible, friends. Listen, you say, well, I never do that. Well, you've done it. Maybe you have subdued that area. Maybe you've renewed your mind to stop agreeing with that potential possibility or suggestion out of the flesh. But I'm telling you, that's a work of the flesh. That is a work of being alienated from the life of God, which is mortality. And there's an element of that in your flesh. Again, that has to be crucified daily. An interesting study through the New Testament is look up all the places Paul or others said, I die. What, is, what are they referring to? The flesh has to be crucified. That has to be put on the cross and says, you do not have an opinion in the matter because you just want to work witchcraft because out of the spirit you desire to do according to the word because you're born of the word. The law of God is written on your spirit, man, not on the flesh, man. You understand? What else here? So he's saying witchcraft, hating, that's the work of the flesh, to hate somebody. Hostility, antagonism, making trouble, discord, strife, being jealous. These are all of the flesh. Anybody, I don't care who you are. So, you know, Somebody sees these ministers or whatever, and they make these mistakes. Dude, yeah, totally. I, you know, I, I mean, dude, that is tragic. It's horrendous. But I'm saying that what happened is they started to counsel of the flesh too often. So he says, well, I would never do that. I can't believe they did. I would never do that. Hey, listen, you would do it the same way they did if and when you start entertaining the desires of the flesh because they are contrary to the spirit. Again, it is absolutely tragic, and there should be discipline, uh, and in some cases, harsh discipline for uh, letting the flesh have its way. We're not making this easy or padding this by saying that everybody is susceptible to this. We're saying this is why you cannot entertain the flesh. You cannot ask the flesh to give you ideas because it all of its ideas are going to be contrary. It's going to want to go be uh, prom promiscuous. It's, it, it's, it, it wants to go hate somebody. What else here? Making trouble, strife, being jealous, being angry, rage, being selfish. Oh, hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, we may have a handle on some of these bigger ticket items, but you know, some of these like being selfish. Oh my goodness. Uh, rivalries, making people angry with each other. That's, um, what is it? That's dissensions. Man, some people, like, like that's a thrill to them, I, I, I guess. It's to be contentious or to get in here and work people against one another. There's people like that in the church. It's all over the place because everybody has flesh. And if you listen to it, if you counsel from it, if you entertain it, it's going to disobey. What, what, what happened to Adam and Eve? 
God said, don't eat this tree. Uh, don't, don't eat the fruit of this tree. And, but what happened? Well, it looks good, right? Oh, it's pleasing to the eye. Yeah. You inquired of the flesh. Don't do that. It's going to put you at odds with God. What else here? Causing divisions among people. That's factions. That's a, you see that word a lot. Feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, carousings, orgies, and doing other things like these. This is just a short list. Hallelujah. Jesus, help us. Well, he did help us. He caused us, gave us the ability to be born again. And from the Spirit empowered us to no longer be slaves, come on, to what? The flesh, to sin, to that life that was alienated away from God. He says, I warned you now as I warned you before. Those who do these things will not inherit God's kingdom. But the Spirit, your Spirit, it produces what? The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness comes out of the spirit. Listen, your flesh, it only seeks its own. If you give the flesh the option, it will not remain faithful because faithfulness includes this idea of self-sacrifice. Listen, if I want to remain loyal to something or faithful to somebody or something, that means there's a discipline that's got to come in. Uh, There's a discipline that has to be recognized here because my flesh is not going to want to walk this out, especially if my flesh determines that I may not be getting the lion's share of this, like self-sacrifice, are you kidding me? That's why Paul, he used this idea that I'm a bond slave. I'm a bond server. I'm a bond slave. I'm a slave to Christ. The flesh, listen, that language, and Paul said, I use this language because of the weakness of the flesh. Remember when, when he said that? So Paul said, look, I, I, I'm a slave, because in reality, what he's saying is, my flesh does not want to follow after Christ. It wants to follow after itself. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily antagonistic to Christ in this sense that it is more. Okay, I mean, that's part of it. But that is true because the flesh only desires its own. Like Christ, it's kind of like, Christ who? Uh Uh, I'm king, right? That's what your flesh says. I'm the most important thing. I need to feel good. I need to have my way. I'm the one that needs to be exalted. I'm the one that needs to be looked at, heard, praised, catered to. That's the flesh. So as a result of that, it doesn't acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't even know who he is. It's spiritually dead. The only thing the flesh knows is what will impact it naturally. Um, now the flesh can be a derivative of spiritual realities, but we're saying if you and bring the flesh up, let's say you have a council room and you say, all right, flesh, uh, we have a decision to make. Uh, here's what the Lord has said to the spirit because my spirit is the lamp of the Lord. It's there. I hear him there. I interact with him there. I commune with him. And you say, I believe the Lord said to do this flesh. What do you think about that? The flesh is going to go, I don't want to do that. What? You mean give something, do something, go somewhere, work hard, stay up late, self-sacrifice, uh, prioritize someone else? The, the flesh is like, I don't want any I, I don't I don't want anything to do with that. Why would I do that? I have no gain out of that. That's the flesh talking. Again, notice what he said. If you follow after the dictates of the flesh, you're not going to do what you want, what you know to be true. All right, let's go back here. So gentleness is the fruit of your spirit. Now, Holy Spirit's helping you. He's leading you and guiding you into all truth. Ephesians talks about that uh, the Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit, the, the helper, the gift that Jesus said would abide in us uh, and, and is in us. He said that he would strengthen us uh, by his spirit, he would strengthen our spirit with might. And so the Holy Spirit is helping us. Uh, we have the uh, vine dresser who is pruning us, working with us in order to develop more fruit. But this fruit, Holy Spirit isn't doing this for you. 
Holy Spirit is helping you produce this. So in contrast to the fruits of the flesh, if we could say it like that, and they're very evident, if you let that produce, if you just let it go, it's going to be very evident. But the fruit of the Spirit is also evident, and these are the fruits of the born-again Spirit. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we could say discipline, but you are empowered. Hold, Holy Spirit, God's Spirit is helping you, empowering you to uh, put the flesh under. So he's helping you produce the fruit of self-control to keep that mortality in check. Or I'm telling you, it'll mess you up, friends. Um, the flesh will disqualify you from certain things. It'll damage relationships. It'll rob you of your calling. It'll remove you from your position. It will set you back. It may not rob you of your salvation, but it can definitely hinder things in your race and your calling. Now, let's go over here to Romans. I've got a little bit of time left. Let's, let's go to Romans, and let's look at this. I want you to see this because this you, you can't just um, – you may not see the full full picture just by looking at Galatians, although that's pretty clear if you ask me. But Romans 7 is phenomenal. And there are some really fascinating uh, things in Romans 7. Well, in Romans 6, too. Let, in fact, let's, let's go to Romans 6 and let's look at this. He says, um, uh, verse 4, Therefore we were uh, buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, that's spiritual. For if we have been united together with the likeness of his death, certainly also shall we be in the likeness of his resurrection. That is true. Our spirits are born again. We were dead. Uh, Christ was that ultimate substitution, and so we are uh, likening ourselves. We are receiving his substitutionary work. We're saying when Christ died on that cross, that should have been me. He died in my place, so I'm going to uh, associate myself with his spiritual death. So that paid the price. That was the price that was paid for my sins. Listen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Somebody had to die. And if it wasn't him, it was going to be you. But he died in our place. So we, we are receiving of that work. We are believing on that right there. And so we're associating ourselves, likening ourselves, the King James says, with his death. And then at the same time, we have to uh, liken ourselves with his resurrection. On the third day, he rose. He was raised from the dead. He was the firstborn among many brethren when he was raised from the dead. You and I, same thing happened to us. When we accepted Jesus Christ and we were born again, these the, this transpired. So we're likening ourselves to his death. That paid the price. That satisfied uh, the penalty of sin. But then we were raised, as it were, from the dead. We were spiritually dead. We were raised from the dead into new life, brand new spirit that is united with the Father now. Verse 6, Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man, our old human, our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. Go down to verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. Let's see, that's 11 reckon, consider. Consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, therefore, watch this, do not let sin reign in your what? Mortal bodies. Now, he just went through these verses and said, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have become new. Where? Spiritually. The real you. Now, you are you are looking, like I'm looking into this camera, and I've got a monitor up here. I can see all the cameras. 
And I'm looking at, at myself, but I'm looking at my physical body. I am intimately aware with my natural eyes that I have a body that has mortality associated with it. And according to this verse here, he says, Reckon yourself dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. So we're starting to get a picture here that my spirit was born again, but I still have the same body I had before I was born again. I, I mean, I've been saved for several years, and there's been a progression of mind renewal. I mean, it's not like I was this perfect little angel two minutes after I was born again. I was confronted with the reality that my flesh still wanted to do things that I used to do moments before I was born again, days before I was born again, years before I was born again. Some people experience dramatic deliverance and freedom, but then there are elements of the flesh that they have to renew their mind to because they're learning Christ now. And so there's things that were okay that aren't okay anymore. Everybody is confronted with this. You may have had dramatic conversion experiences, but, but there were other things that you ran into that you're like, wait, 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 wait. I, I don't want to do that anymore. You may have been delivered from drugs, maybe suddenly, but then there were other elements of the, of the flesh. You're like, wait a second. I don't want to hate anybody. I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to be self-seeking. I want to be self-controlled. So what I'm saying is, for me even, there was a progression. There's been a progression as my mind has been renewed. I run into things that are like, whoa, 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 whoa. hey, that is fleshy. And if I give in to that, it's going to be contrary to my spiritual life in Christ Jesus. This is what he's saying here. In the body of flesh is this spiritual law called mortality, and that's where the flesh lusts after all things natural. And you've got to put that under. Uh, you know, maybe you're not struggling with murdering people, but the Bible, but the Bible says if you hate a man in your heart, you've committed murder against him. So we're saying here that there are flesh things that have to be kept under. Do, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body because if you let it reign, you're probably going to give the command to obey it. That comes out of the mind. And do not, verse 13, present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Now, he's talking to a born-again believer here. He's talking to a born-again believer. And he's saying, but you still have a body, believer. Every believer has a physical body. Every believer there is nobody, let me, let me say it like this. There is nobody on the face of the earth that has an immortal body. Not right now, uh-uh, not yet. And if they tell you that, they're quack, they're, they're weirdos, they're, they're on quack sauce. Nobody is walking in immortality right now. All of us are walking in an overcoming dominance over the dictates of the flesh. That's, that's part of our schooling right now. It's part of our training. We are overcomers. He says, don't present your members, your physical body, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. How would you present it? You have some crazy desire of the flesh. I'm not saying it's like totally outlandish, but just, you know, maybe you know, <laughs> we're like comparing now sins. But, uh, you know, let's say that you just, you have this desire to do something that is totally selfish, self-seeking. And... Um, and if you agree with that, that that's a good idea, and you know it's contrary to the Scripture, contrary to the unction of, of your spirit, and you say, mm, yeah, I think I want to do that, well, then your mind, your soul, will give the physical command and says, all right, body, let's go, uh, let's go indulge in that. That's what he's saying here. You just presented your physical body as a slave to unrighteousness because it was contrary to your spirit. He says, but present yourselves to God, your physical body, Romans 12 told us the same thing. This, this is your first act is to present your physical body as a sacrifice. He says, but present yourselves to God being alive from the dead and your members, your physical body, as instruments of God to righteousness. He says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members, this is verse 19, as slaves of uncleanness, and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members, your physical body, the body of mortality, present that to be a slave for holiness. All right, now let's go over here. Let's look at verse 7. 
and we'll bring this to a close. I want to get to this particular thought. Um, so this is Romans 7 and verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice what I hate, that I do. Okay, so he's saying I don't do what I want to do. What is that, Galatians 5? It's his born-again spirit and this tension between the spirit and the dictates or the desires or the lusts of strong desires, strong cravings of the flesh. Your flesh wants to present itself as a slave of self-indulgence. But your spirit says, no, we're not doing that because we're slaves of righteousness now. He says, verse seven, verse 16, if then I do what I will not to do, if then I do what I don't want to do, is it, what is he, a schizo? No, no, no. You have a spirit, you have a flesh. Okay, he's speaking in terms that we can understand that from the inside, I know what to do. Sometimes I don't do it. But when I don't do what I know to do, what's happening? I let my flesh have its way. He says, I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Where? You're born again. Sin isn't in your spirit. Where is it? It's in the membership of mortality. <laughs> that part of you that's mortal. <laughs> the flesh. Uh, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. You see that? For I know that in me, in me. Now, l- listen. If you do something really stupid, um, and uh, you say, well, it really wasn't me. Well, listen, if you did it in the body of flesh, then you're going to have to suffer the consequences because you're to take responsibility for the flesh. If you go before, let's, let's say what you did was really dumb, and now you're before a judge and jury, and you say, hey, listen, judge, uh, I'm born again, and uh, I, I realize you know, I murdered a bunch of people, but you know that really wasn't me. Well... <laughs> it doesn't work quite like that. Uh, you will have to take responsibility for deeds done in the flesh. This is why we're admonished. Hey, if you keep entertaining the dictates of the flesh, the flesh is going to get you in trouble. The reality is that that born-again people have done some really dumb things. And in the eyes of the Lord, uh, what Paul is saying here is that, hey, the reality is that that didn't come out of your spirit, but the flesh, you didn't put it under. He told you to crucify it, and you decided that you would go ahead and let it live and maybe you know entertain some of its ideas. Uh, ultimately, some of these things may not be salvation issues, but in the realm of the natural here, you're gonna, you will have to take the brunt of the responsibility. And there have been... Uh, people who have done some really stupid things and uh, have regretted it in the sense of they were truly uh, repentant. Uh, But at the end of the day, it didn't come out of their spirit. This is what Paul's saying. It came out of the flesh. But you are responsible to put that under. No one else is going to put that under for you. Now, uh, the Lord will use his ministers. Remember who his ministers were? Authorities, law. Uh, They are his ministers uh, of righteousness. They are his checks and balances. And if you don't, I mean, the privilege we have is judge yourself. But if you don't judge yourself, somebody else is going to get involved as a minister of the Lord and bring judgment into your situation according to the deeds done in the body. And uh, people don't think about that. You say, you can't judge me. Yes, I can, because you are not putting the flesh under. And if you don't judge yourself in these matters, if you don't discipline yourself, if you don't exhibit the fruit of self-control in these matters, then another one of God's ministers, another one of his authorities is going to get involved in your situation and judge the situation accurately and according to his standards. That's 1 Corinthians 5. There'll be a disciplinary action because he's not going to allow you to run or he's not going to allow the flesh to run off with you. He's going to arrest you. Praise God for that. All right, so verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells, for the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I don't find in my members. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the uh, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. See the the tension, Galatians five, flesh and, and your spirit. Your spirit against your flesh, your flesh against your spirit. 
they are not compatible. Compatible in this sense, you have a body, but as far as the desires, the desires are incompatible. Verse 20, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find a law then, evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Where is that desire contrary to spiritual things located? In the flesh. He says here, verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, your born again spirit. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he goes on, he says, man, uh, you know, I'm a wretched man who will deliver me from this body of death. Now, Paul had already sorted through this. Again, because of the weakness of the flesh, he's speaking in human terms. He's, he's already experienced uh, breakthrough in the flesh. He, he, he has already developed a practice, a lifestyle, a discipline of putting the flesh under. He's writing for our sake and their, their sake here to understand the process. But then in chapter 8, he realizes, or he's expressing, he's writing, he's revealing to us the process that was revealed to him. How do you gain over the flesh? <laughs> well, he says in chapter 8, uh, or in, in verse 25, he says, through Jesus Christ. That's how we win, to be strengthened on the inside with might by his spirit. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, he said, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who what? Do not walk according to the flesh. This is how you overcome. You don't give in to the dictates of the flesh. You walk according to the spirit, and you walk in a life of dominion. You're not torn. There's, there's not that tension when you just stop agreeing with the flesh and start agreeing with the Spirit. He says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I don't have time because we need to uh, close. I've, I've gone quite long today, but uh, a lot of people misquote this. They said there's no condemnation. It says there's no condemnation if you don't walk according to the flesh. And see, a lot of people use that as a, as a, as a get-out-of-jail-free card or as a license to persist in these contrary desires of the flesh. It said, there's no condemnation. You're, you're condemning me. Well, it's because you're sleeping around. You're condemning me you're, you're condemning because you're an alcoholic. We're not condemning you in the sense of condemnation. What he's saying is here is, listen, if you persist under the desires of the flesh, you come under the law of sin and death. You've got, to, you've got to put that under so that you can come under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Several ministers, big-time, big-name ministers who persisted in carn carnal things, the Lord came to them on several occasions and says, look, you need to judge yourself in this. You need to judge yourself in this. You need to judge yourself. This is going to cut your life short. This is going to cut your life short. This is going to cut your life short. Judge yourself. Ju the mercy of God was giving them warning. Put the flesh under. Put the flesh under. Because if, 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 if you don't, you are willfully subjecting yourself to the law of sin and death. And that sin, that sin, that flesh desire may cut your life short. Hallelujah. God's warning. Great mercy in these warnings to say, hey, look, come out from that. Judge yourself. Come out from that. Get over here where there's freedom. Get over here where there's life. If you persist under the sin, the desires and the lusts of the flesh, you're going to subject yourself to the laws of sin and death unnecessarily. Hallelujah, somebody. Thank you so much for tuning out. I hope you got something out of that. We kind of took a deep dive into a study of the Bible that um, really we need to communicate more about. A lot of people are kind of confused about how this process works. So anyways, I hope you were encouraged with that. Listen, if we could help you, pray with you, stand with you, support you in some way, that would be our honor to do so. You can reach out to us, send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Also, I want to say thank you to all of our prayer partners. Thank you so much for praying for us. Listen, that it, 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 it's helping us to be able to communicate things just like this. Also, your financial support, obviously, it makes it possible 
uh, to do what we do. Uh, a lot of the equipment, uh, uh, purchasing the airtime for the podcast, doing all that kind of stuff, paying in advance for the CDs that we just send to people for free, all that is because of our financial partners. I want to say thank you in advance. If you would like to participate in some way like that, all giving is tax deductible. Several ways to do that. You can go to our website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or if you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Just follow the prompts. Or you can mail a check to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Listen, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.